This is a crowd podcast. There's always a darkness around the bright stars of the 60s. A gravity sucking things in, spinning them away. Lovers and strangers, new scenes, old vices. No rules in a world no one's ever lived in before. Adoration and exploitation, excess, an experimentation, a chaos if you let it take hold, if you invite it in. So that's Dennis Wilson, not the heart of the Beach Boys, but their messed up subconscious, sometimes in harmony with the other four, often at war with the world. The drummer but not the one who drums on their biggest records. The best looking one, the one they think's the Steve McQueen or James Dean of the band, but the first to die. What does Dennis do? He blows up cars, lives with 20 women in one house, holds the wildest parties, loses himself in cocaine and acid and smack. He's been married five times, twice to the same woman, once to his cousin's illegitimate teenage daughter. He becomes friends with the mad leader of a death cult, invites him in, stares into the abyss, into the chaos that tears the end of the 60s apart. And here's the thing with Dennis. He's always there, but not there. His face on the album covers, his sound left off the hits, but every party each night, but always in search of the next. A ghost in the LA canyons, a desert wind through the night streets. When murder comes to Tinseltown, it's his friends and his scene, but never him. And the drugs? The drink? They're the same. Where you lose him. Where he loses himself. The millionaire with nothing. The superstar who loses it all. The one who slips away when no one's looking. Into the chaos. Into the darkness. This is Death of a Rockstar. Dennis Wilson. There's things you need to know about the Wilson family when they're growing up. There's three boys. Brian's the oldest, the one with the gifts. Plays piano, plays bass. Can sing a song back perfectly, first time he hears it. Carl, he's the youngest. 
plays lead guitar, sings harmonies to Brian's tunes. Then there's Dennis, in the middle, the black sheep. Won't sing, won't behave. A duck born with two chickens, that's how he puts it. Then there's the dad, Murray. The dad who shouts at them, screams at them, hits them. Brian's been deaf in one ear since he was three, since his dad hit him in the head with a lead pipe. Dennis gets it all the time. He's the one who stands up to it, the one who fights back. So, as they grow and Brian writes the songs and the world starts to notice, it's Dennis who stays a rebel, who keeps fighting. There's something he writes on the sleeve notes of an early album. They say I live a fast life. I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. It won't last forever, either. But the memories will. The early hits are all about the ocean. Surfing safari. Surfing USA. Surfing girl. You get the picture. Dennis is the only one who actually surfs. The only brother who lives the LA way. And as the songs grow more complex and beautiful and angelic, Dennis is there, but not there. Brian's a genius, everyone knows that. He hears things we don't. Harmonies, melodies, pop symphonies. And the band sings on them. The three brothers, their cousin Mike Love, their mate Al Jardine, but they don't play on them a lot of the time. There's a group of session musicians called the Wrecking Crew, all of them incredible musicians. They play on Phil Spector's records, behind Sonny and Cher, the Mamas and the Papas, the Birds, the Monkeys. The drummer's called Hal Blaine, Stone Cold Genius invents the big 60s beat, the Be My Baby sound. Dumb, D-dumb, dumb. Pretty much invents the disco beat later on. Does Dennis mind that it's Hal Blaine who plays on the Pet Sounds LP? The one people still call one of the greatest albums ever made. So many songs on it that do things to you that other songs just can't. Each title, a glimpse into Brian's soul. God only knows. I just wasn't made for these times. I know there's an answer. Does Dennis mind? Not really. He's 20 years old and they're throwing money at him. He can spend it on motorbikes and cars, clothes and girls, nights out, lost weekends. When they shoot the Pet Sounds album cover, down in San Diego Zoo, it's Dennis who lobs a carrot at a tiger's head, who manhandles an antelope, who leaves puppies and baby chicks in the sort of enclosures you don't want to be leaving puppies and baby chicks. It's all fun until it isn't. Until the LSD goes from mind-freeing experiment to daily breakfast when you hear voices, not songs. When you think one drug's good, two's better, 
and three? Well, let's just see. They talk about how Dennis loves danger, about his turbulent energy. He'll drink lots of beers, smoke some weed, head out to the desert and drive around at top speed with all the lights off. Then there's the women. The band's manager calls Dennis a sex fiend. Dennis? He calls himself The Wood. You can work it out. They're all struggling. Brian's losing his mind. Nervous breakdowns. Paranoid schizophrenia. Now, when he plays piano, it's in a big sandbox so he can feel the beach on his feet, even in his house. Now, Dennis loves his big brother, loves his genius. Brian Wilson is the Beach Boys, he says. He is the band. We're his fucking messengers. We're nothing. He's everything. So Dennis acts like he's nothing. Like he's empty inside. Drugs and sex and adulation. It's like you can't fill him up. There's something a mate says when he sees the life Dennis lives. He says, it's like watching a volcano. You say, that's pretty. And then someone else says, but it killed 500 people. And you say, but it's still pretty. So now we get to the real chaos, the real darkness. Wilson's driving through Malibu when he spots these two young girls, hitchhiking. You know how he thinks now. He picks them up, takes them to his house. Dennis looks very 1968 LA. Shaggy hair, beads, big beard. He's into meditation, the Maharishi. Gurus who tell you how the world works, who can solve all your problems. These girls have got their own guru. He's just out of jail, been in there 10 years. He's into LSD and free love. He's got big ideas about what's going to happen, the madness that's about to descend. His name? The girls call him Charlie, and them? They call themselves his family, the Manson family. It begins straight away. When Dennis gets home that night, Charles Manson is on his driveway, staring eyes, wild hair, crazy ideas. That night, they sit and talk, smoke weed, make music. Dennis is open to all this, the ideas, the drugs, the women. And so the family move in, 10 at first, then 20. Most of them are girls. All of them are treated like servants. Dennis funds it all. The clothes, the cars, the antibiotics for the STDs everyone's passing around. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Manson's under his skin. In his mind. Dennis says, If anything, they're supporting me. I had all the rich status symbols. Rolls-Royce, Ferrari, home after home. Then I woke up, gave away 50 to 60% of my money, 
Now I live in one small room with one candle and I'm happy finding myself. Dennis introduces Manson to a big record producer, Terry Melcher. The Beach Boys take a Manson song and release it as a B-side, but there's no writing credit for Manson and Manson gets angry. Angrier. The family smash up Dennis's Ferrari. They crash his Mercedes. One day, Manson shows Dennis a bullet. Says, every time you look at this, think how nice it is your kids are still safe. So Dennis panics, moves out of his own house, sleeps in someone's basement. The Manson family stay until they're evicted and they take everything. The cars, the clothes, the furniture, all the money. Dennis sees things. Manson killing a black man with an M16, ditching the body in a well. He knows he should go to the cops, but he's too scared. So, it happens. August 1969, and Charles Manson orders the chaos. The Helter Skelter. Four members of the family go to the house of record producer Terry Melcher. Manson wants revenge. Melcher isn't there. He's rented it out to film director Roman Polanski. It's Polanski's pregnant wife, Sharon Tate, who's there. Her and four others. They kill them all. Cut them up, smear their blood on the walls. A day later, they go to another house. Butcher two more innocent people. Where does Manson go first? Dennis's new home says to him, I've just been to the moon. Dennis doesn't testify when it goes to court. He's too scared. He destroys the tapes of the music they made, says the vibrations connected with them don't belong on this earth. And even as Manson is convicted and locked up for the rest of his life, Dennis can't forget. What he's heard, what he's seen, the phone calls that come in the night and say, you're next. And he never talks about it. To anyone. Not for money, not for attention. Just says, I think he's a sick fuck. I think of Roman and all of those wonderful people who had a beautiful family and they fucking had their tits cut off. I want to benefit from that. Right, things are getting intense. So let's take a quick breather and have an ad break. We'll be back in a minute. 
Hello, I'm Katie Puckrick. I've got a podcast called Dot Com, the documentary series about the people of the internet. And I just want to let you know that series two is out now. It blasts open the door on Reddit, the front page of the internet. It's kooky. To me, Reddit is one of the last bastions of actual communities online. It's sinister. Reddit has really always prided itself on being the mirror that it holds up to society, right? That society has a lot of imperfections and messiness and destruction and violence, but there's so much good there as well. It's some of the biggest, most shocking stories of the century. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian family. I feel like every time there's some big scandal going on, Reddit is 100% a contributor and an antagonist to it. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe now. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Hello, it's Tom Fordyce here. I'm one of the writers on Death of a Rockstar, and I do hope you're enjoying the series. I wanted to tell you about BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses in life, big and small. A lot of the people I wrote about for this series absolutely did. And as we know, if we keep those stresses bottled up, it can impact us negatively. That's where therapy can be great. Therapy isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. It can help you understand the way your brain works and why you feel a particular way. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's all online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Rockstar listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. That's betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Death of a Rockstar. This is the story of Dennis Wilson. All that Dennis has just gone through, all that he's seen, how does someone deal with that? He can't. So... He tries to block it out, drinking and smoking and snorting. Dennis is a mess. He's dating someone new, a wannabe actress and model, Karen. First time they meet in a restaurant, he reaches across the table and grabs her right breast, says, great tits. That's how it goes with these two. They'll get married and divorced twice. She's blonde, skinny, blue denim flares and little t-shirts. He's shaggy, hair to his shoulders, 
beard like he cuts it with scissors twice a year, wears whatever he finds when he gets up. She'll point a gun at him, shoot holes in his car. Another time, he sets light to her Ferrari, sits in the house playing the piano while it burns, like a rock and roll Nero, like it's nothing. We're both dynamos, that's how Karen describes it. When you put two dynamos together, you get dynamite. The Beach Boys are still making money. What they're not making is good music. Brian, the genius brother, playing in the sandpit, he's lost to drugs and meds and schizophrenia. He eats and not much else. The band plays the old hits. That keeps you rich in the 70s. But they're not cool. Their time's over. So Dennis, the drummer, the one who's never there, does something about it. Comes up with his own solo album. It's ambitious. It's unhinged in a good way. A million ideas in one song. The story of a broken man trying to put himself back together again. The feelings of being free on Fridays to be yourself. Togetherness, love, and the doubts that can tear everything apart. That's how he describes it. It's called Pacific Ocean Blue. It's like nothing a drunk part-time drummer should ever come up with. The critics love it. And the rest of the band? They're doing bad covers, selling their souls, selling out concerts. The 70s? Half of it's about remembering the good parts of the 60s. So the Beach Boys play the surf songs. Pretend it's great when you're straight. Take the money. And Dennis sinks back down. Divorces Karen again. Can't pay for his big yacht. Throws Karen's stuff over the side. Starts seeing Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac. Gets into cocaine in the same epic way her band does. Tries to clean up. Falls back down. Gets into heroin. Drinks with drifters out on the LA streets. He can be the sweetest man, Dennis. He plants a heart-shaped garden at Christine's house, hires a symphony orchestra to serenade her, and he can lose himself in the past, in the nightmares that won't go away. Half of him's like a little boy, the other half's insane. That's what Christine says. He'll smash everything in the house, disappear for days, come back, with another piece of him gone. Remember his cousin, Mike Love? The straightest one in the Beach Boys? He fools Dennis, a drugged out, no talent parasite. Others see him and just feel sorry. The melancholy's always there in him. The way he tries to run away by doing more of everything. And then, when it all comes crashing down, that's when the demons escape when they eat him alive. It's the start of a new decade, 1981, a time of fresh starts and new sounds. Dennis is living in a house in Venice Beach. His 17-year-old daughter's there, some of her mates. He's drinking all the time, like literally all the time. 
from when he gets up to when he passes out. You want to meet him? Just wait in the bars, the bottle shops. Wait for the guy in the Hawaiian shirts, the long brown hair, the blonde streaks from the sun, the beard, the empty eyes. At one point, a 16-year-old girl comes round. She's called Sean. Her dad? That's Mike Love, the cousin, the one who hates Dennis. Mike Love never admits she's his daughter, never pays maintenance. So, Dennis looks after her, 20 years older, like a big brother to start with, and then not like a big brother. Are they in love? Is it just revenge on Mike? Doesn't matter. They're living together. She's pregnant. They're talking about marriage. The Beach Boys are still touring, except Dennis is so drunk, they need bodyguards to keep him away from the bar before gigs. He has fights with Mike Love. He goes to Mike's seat on the band's private jet and pukes all over him. And the descent goes on. Dennis and Sean fight. He's back on coke. Makes a move on one of her friends. Sean attacks him. Tells him she's going to kill him. He drags her down an alley by her hair. They have a son. They get married. Nothing changes. The house is a wreck. Broken doors, smashed windows, things scribbled on walls. No respect. No love. Sean moves out. Dennis gets a message from the band. Clean up or you're sacked. Where'd you go when you've wrecked everything around you? Dennis has no home, no car, no money, no wife, no friends. He's on the streets in Venice Beach, in bars at night, sleeping rough in the day. He checks into one rehab place, leaves after two days, tries another detox unit, gets turned away by the doctor. Too much trouble. That's the reason they give. It's Christmas Day. 1983. He's in a bar. Gets into a fight with a mate of Sean's. Gets beaten up. Bad. He's taken to hospital, but checks himself out. Now he goes down to the marina, where his boat used to be. Where he used to hang out with Karen. The one he married and divorced, then married and divorced again. There's a guy he knows with a boat of his own, who's always got booze. Someone to be around. Someone to drink with. Tomorrow, I'm going to detox. That's what he says. So, they sit on deck, drink, mess about. Dennis drinks more than anyone else. They bring him vodka, and he drinks when everyone else stops, when they want to sleep. Dennis doesn't sleep. He'll pass out for a few minutes, wake up, go searching for more booze. Vodka, wine, cocktails, doesn't matter. That's how it goes all night. That's how it goes all morning. 
He's sweating now. It's dripping off his face. He's made a mess of his trousers, so he borrows some cut-off jeans, eats a turkey sandwich, shivers, shakes, and he goes swimming off the boat, down into the depths, into the darkness. It's cold in there, but Dennis keeps going. He's finding stuff in the mud and sand, stuff he threw off his own boat the last time he and Karen divorced. He finds a silver picture frame. The photo? It should be of him and Karen, the first wedding day, but it's gone. So he has another drink and shivers with the cold and talks about the treasures he's going to find down there. His old toolbox, a bag of silver dollars, a chest of gold. Doesn't matter if it's there, doesn't matter if it ever was, Dennis is obsessed. Doesn't want food, doesn't want to sit by the boat's heater like everyone else. He drinks and he dives again. When he doesn't come to the surface, they think he's joking around. They see air bubbles breaking the water. They see him floating just below the surface. They see him swim round the back of the boat. Think they hear him gasping for air. And then, nothing. They call out. Dennis, Dennis, what did you find? They wait for him to sneak up on them, to come splashing out of the water, to creep along the deck laughing, asking for a drink. Nothing. So they shout. They stamp on the deck. They call Harbour Patrol. They find his body 30 minutes later. He's cold, pale, nothing in those wild eyes anymore. There, but not there. And that's Dennis Wilson. How he lives, how he dies. His face on the album covers, his sound left off the hits. At every party each night, but always in search of the next. A ghost in the LA canyons, a desert wind through the night streets, running from the darkness, running away from the light. The drink and the drugs, where you lose him, where he loses himself. The millionaire with nothing, the superstar who loses it all, the one who slips away when no one's looking. This episode was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Esmond Cole. It was edited by Crawford Blair. For research, we read Heroes and Villains by Stephen Gaines. I Am Brian Wilson by Brian Wilson. The Real Beach Boy by John Stubbins. And Helter Skelter, The True Story of the Manson Murders by Vincent Bugliosi and Kurt Gentry. We use the archives of the New York Times, LA Times, and Rolling Stone. 
The music we used is from BMG Production Music. If you'd like to listen to some Prime Dennis, it's sort of hard because of how Hal Blaine replaced him on lots of the big studio hits. But start with Fun Fun Fun, then go for Don't Worry Baby, because you'll hear him on those two okay. And then, a prime cut from his solo album Pacific Ocean Blue, the opening track, River Song. Or, if you'd like another podcast to listen to, try our other series, Death of a Film Star, and start with the episode about Sharon Tate. Just search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.